to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. like to start this episode with a huge thank you to all of my listeners. It really means a lot. This week I saw my first review from someone I didn't know and it brought me almost to tears of joy. I really love that you enjoy listening to all our guests and learning lessons about how sport can help you. A quick shout out to my dad and his mate Steve who are also loyal listeners. Thanks guys, I really appreciate it. Today's episode is with Emily Mackay. Emily and I met during our university studies and bonded over our passion for our sport and I've always felt inspired by her ability to chase her dreams. Emily created and managed what is now one of the biggest female junior football leagues in Victoria, the Eastern Region Girls Football League, but she didn't stop there. She went on to coach the national women's AFL team in Germany. Emily is still coaching a high-performance women's team and is a vet sport and rec teacher passionate about creating generational change through her students. I hope by the end of this chat, you are feeling as inspired by Emily's passion as I did. So welcome, Emily. How are you today? I am feeling absolutely fantastic. How are you going? I am really good. The sun is out and I'm excited. (laughs) So you're really passionate about football and you mentioned before that you weren't really that sporty kid. Can you tell us about your sporting journey? Yeah, for sure. So my childhood growing up probably wasn't, I'd say, the greatest. So single parent, um, 18 homes by the time I was 18. Lived, you know, in the uh, eastern suburbs for a bit and then moved out to Hillsville um, when I was 12. So I never really got to play any sport either. I loved football. So that was like my thing that uh, just my escape, essentially. You know, I knew I was a massive Carlton supporter. And, you know, I'd watched the 1995 grand final multiple times, had it on like my VCR. So I'd watch it at home. Um, I could list every Carlton player, like their statistics, like every player in the AFL, you know, what jumper number they were. Like that was just my thing. I was just known as like the football crazy person when I was in primary school, especially. And it's funny because I, I never got to play. My my mum was really hesitant uh, with the culture of, of male football clubs at that point mm-hmm. in time, like early 2000s. So, yeah, she didn't want me to play. And I played a bit of netball as a kid, but I, uh, one of my friends started a junior girls team when I was 16 years old. And I got to play my first couple of um, seasons of footy there, which has sort of uh, started my real journey, I suppose, in, in sport. I played cricket as well, so I had to walk down with my cricket bag down the hill to the cricket club at 7am so people could take me to my games um, <laughs> on, on a Saturday morning. So I was the only girl at my club. But, yeah, back to football, I suppose it's it's funny because I wanted to drop out of school in year 10 and my mum, she said, well, if you're going to drop out of school, you find a TAFE course. And so smart-ass me went, yeah, that's fine, no worries. And so I picked a football TAFE course. Um, so I did a Cert 3 and 4 in Sport and Rec and then a Diploma of Sport Development at CEDAR, which was uh, football-based. This love of football that I had growing up kind of got translated into my education where I ended up getting a qualification and um, my Year 12 passed. And so from that uh, experience, I finished my Diploma in Sport Development and I ended up getting a job with AFL Victoria when I was 19. I got to go out to primary schools and run clinics and just promote the game of football, which is essentially like the most ideal dream job I could have had at the age of 19, finishing school, you know, for the first time. Like I get to work for AFL Vic. And I remember, especially being a Carlton supporter, like growing up, I always wanted to travel down to Princess Park for work because that's Carlton's home ground. And at that time when I was working for AFL Vic, their home ground was at Princess Park. So I actually got to travel to Princess Park a few times for some professional development meetings. And I thought that was really cool. And so all these things that I loved kind of turned into this little story, I suppose. 
through that work that I was doing with AFLYR Rangers, I got asked to get a girls team up in, in Hillsville, which is obviously where I was from. Um, an under 12s team because the the league neighbouring um, our league, the Eastern Football League, had been trying to get a girls football league up for four years or so, and it just wasn't sustainable. They couldn't get past four teams, and uh, I had some connections at Hills. I'd been coaching there for a couple of years, which I'd started, you know, my cert when I was doing my cert three in sport, right? You know, I sort of knew people there, new parents, and it was going to be pretty easy for me to do it. However, when I played football, we actually played in the Yarra Junior Football League. Now those games are based out in Berlin and I lived in Hillsville. So we're talking an hour um, travel to get to our games, which is a fair distance. And, and the kicker was that we were so far away that no one wanted to come to us. So we played, I'd say like at least half of our games in Berlin, just so we could get some games in. Mm-hmm. And I had this thing of like, oh, I'm not making my parents travel all the way out to you know Berlin but I had no idea where Eastern Football League was I didn't know how close it was but I was like I'm not going to do that and so I said to my my manager at the time I was like I'm not doing that but what I will do is I'll make my own football league and so then I went out to all the primary schools in Hillsville because I sort of knew everyone and it was very easy for me to just chat to all the girls and so I said to him, if you've ever thought about playing football, um, come down to Queen's Park, which is our local oval, and come play a game of football. And I had my friends come down and coach and umpire and had about 80 girls over six different games. Wow. Um, so they played every fortnight. And that was like the start of uh, junior football in Hillsville, which was really cool, you know, in the girl space. And so I did that in 2014. And then at the end of that, a man named Aaron Bailey, who was the development manager for the EFL, calls me up and he's like, well, heard about the good stuff you're doing in Hillsville. Can you come and help us build this uh, junior girls league, which is the EFL league that they've been trying to get up and running. And so I was like, yeah, that's no worries. Because I kind of figured out how, how close they were. And that built the foundation of the junior girls football league in the eastern suburbs. So for the next two years after that, I worked between the EFL and the AFL Yarra Rangers developing female football in that space. And so we went from, it would have been six teams in under 16s and six teams in under 12s in our first year to then 35 teams spanning over our under 12, 15, 16s and 18s age groups. And then I finished up after that because I sort of burnt out. I was working at an Indigenous college um, which had a, fo- a football team in my league, but I was also coaching some other sport teams there and I was doing a lot of work and I, it was a lot because I'd come from this background of mum not working very much. I did the opposite and I overworked and so I burnt out myself. But the girls league just, it was sustainable at that point as well. Was, and I didn't want to sit in that office and listen to everyone complaining all the time. I was like, I've done my thing, you know. Mm. So yeah, I think a couple of years later, oh, 150 teams I had last year, including senior women's and on wow. the 10s comp. Yeah, it's so cool to see it, you know, a sustainable um, pathway, talent pathway for girls playing football so they can go down to Eastern Rangers. And they've got representative squads now. Like, it's just the coolest thing to see. So, yeah, that's kind of like the start of my, my football stuff. And then do you want me to delve into what happened post that? or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So was it during that time that you were also studying? Yeah, so I'd started uh, studying a Bachelor of Sport Development at, um, in my first year when I was doing the, the stuff in Hillsville and because I'd already had that background in sport development for my diploma. And I sort of got to this point where I thought, oh, I'm already working in sport development. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't want to learn more about it. Like, I love the coaching element of it. But at that time, I just couldn't see the correlation of, like, the bigger picture of things because I was just so, like, stuck into this world of football. And that's just what I was doing in that sport development and that's my experience. And I probably wasn't as open to things either and I had to do marketing and business subjects and I hated mm. them. So. <laughs> I think we met in the marketing over summer. I'm pretty sure that's how we met. Oh, my God. That, that'd be really funny because I dropped out of that. Funny story with that. I hated the content so much and I was like, I don't agree with it. And we had to do these assignments. And, I, and so I just ripped into the, the thing and I was like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, I don't agree. With it. And I backed out with all my resources and everything. And then I submitted it. And then I, I ended up quitting the subject like, you know, six weeks in. And um, never got my results for it. And then I met the lecturer like six months later. And 
she's like and we were doing this like interview for something else and she's like your name is so familiar and I was like oh my god because I knew exactly who she was and then I'm like yeah I, I submitted this assessment you know ripping into your subject and she she goes to me that was one of the best assignments I've ever seen and <laughs> you're going to get a high distinction and I was like what That's <laughs> and you and dropped so it I was like, yeah and I dropped it and like my grades weren't that great at that point and I was like damn <laughs> so that that's a little funny side note so always stick to your guns <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good yeah, lesson yeah totally um so anyway then I changed that and went to like I was like oh I want to do maybe health sciences health promotion that just wasn't my jam then I dropped uni altogether and then I after I burnt out I was like I should probably get my ass into gear and you know I just wasn't prepared to work I just wasn't up for it and like that point in my life was so hard too because running a football league and you know creating that from ground up people know who you are like Mm. I literally it was a point in my life where I couldn't walk down the street all the way from Hillsville Warburton area to bloody Glen Waverley without someone stopping me in the street a parent that I didn't even know so you know someone from a club you know just talking to me about girls football and it was just my ego was just so high I was like yeah I'm seeing our football in the eastern suburbs that's who I am like everyone knows me like and to leave that and like I'd broken up with my boyfriend of four years. I was planning on leaving my house that I loved. Like I was going through a complete like 180 quarter life crisis, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to like, my ego just went downhill. And I was like, I, I don't want to, I've run a football league. I've done everything, you know, I've fixtured, I've communicated with clubs, I've umpired social media, like to a small degree, but mm. I've done it all. And I didn't want to like, prioritize and be like yeah I just want to do social media or I just want to do like game development because I kind of like done it yeah and and so I was like yeah I'm too good for this <laughs> and yeah so I just didn't want to work and I didn't want to just like hone down on one skill because it that's just just not how I roll uh, mm. I think I'm a jack of all trades kind of person so yeah I went back to uni and I had two ankle reconstructions as well like so I would have quit in September and then in February, yeah, two ankle, like one ankle reco and then recovered and then had my second one. So that whole year I just lived off my savings and yeah, I was injured. And in between my recos, I had this project where I, I have a van, a good old 89 Volkswagen transporter that's got my bed and I had a fridge. I was all decked out and I lived in it for like six weeks two months something like that in between my ankle recos because I was like I was like I don't know what I want to do with my life you know I have no idea what's going on I don't know what life is and so I wanted to explore like what that was Mm. and so I through like people I knew sport people other people from other elements of my life I kind of went around and lived in my van and you would have been in my life at that point I think I remember you I don't know if you were still at uni but you're talking to me about you know doing up your van and I think I remember seeing you with like maybe a moon boot on in your van I'm like how is she doing this oh my god that was just so hectic I went and I interviewed people and I lived in it so I would like stay in the city at at a massive share house called Magic Mansion where there was, there was like 10 people in the share house. It was open to, it's like pretty alternative, you know, like full of hippies, really cool people though. And being in that space like makes you just so much more aware of like what's going on in the world. Mm. And so I'd say that because I don't have to drive to my uni classes and my, my rehabilitation sessions. And then on the weekend, I'd go off to all these other places, you know, so to the Grampians, to Phillip Island, Geelong, Ballarat. And I'd just go and I'd stay with people that I'd never met before. And I would, yeah, find out what they were doing, you know, because I'd kind of gone from working too much, didn't want to be like my mum where she didn't work enough because she had her own, you know, mental health issues. She's fine, you know, but that's just not a life that I wanted to lead. And so I was like, well, what, what is normal? And so mm. then I get to this point where I make this sociology lecturer at Deakin University just at a festival I was at. I was telling her what I was doing and she's like, oh, that's sociology. And I was like, what is this? What is sociology? Tell me all about it. And then now I've got my degree in a Bachelor of Arts as an undergrad in sociology and like sporting society. And like sociology is just, it's understanding why people are the way they are Mm -hmm. based on like how their environment has impacted them in some way, shape or form. So it's 
kind of like psychology in a way, but we're looking at environmental impacts, you know, societal impacts. My biggest passion in sport has been coaching. And I looked at that degree and that theoretical stuff and I was like, I can apply this to sport because how am I meant to get the best out of my athletes that I work with? Unless I actually understand who they are, what they're passionate about, what their goals are and build a real, authentic, genuine connection with them. So while it seems like this massive, long-winded story about how I got to that point, that inquisitiveness that I had with interviewing people and going out of my comfort zone actually helps me facilitate the space for athletes to go out of their comfort zone because people hear about the crazy stuff that I do, but it's all got reason behind it. There's Mm. just me just kind of like going, well, this is what I'm interested in. Why don't I actually follow that? How can I relate that? Generally, it's always been, how can I relate this back to sport, back to football? Because I've always wanted to be come, come back into that space, but I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. So I think that, that's it on that part. <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. And was it last year you had the opportunity to go to Europe? Yeah. So last year I was in, in Germany. I was coaching the women's national team. And that's probably like two or three years post, you know, this time when I was living in my van. And a lot happened in that point in time AFLW became a thing so that our female football became a professional sport and I sort of wanted to get back into footy I I thought I would play I wasn't too into coaching I'd sort of done more like mentoring other coaches you know I was kick level and it's funny when I went when talking about sport and how it impacts your life in many many different ways honestly it's funny and I'll explain it now it's just so I went to try out for Collingwood VFL, even though like, I had two ankle recos in, wasn't fit enough, but I thought, oh, I should see what it's like. And I was putting this group called Crosscoders, which means that I hadn't played um, a game of AFL in four years. But mm-hmm. I can still kick a football, let me tell you. So I met all these other people from different sports, and there was this person who's now literally my best friend. Her name's Caitlin Thomas. And, and I was like, oh, what sports do you play? And she goes, oh, I, I play Quidditch. And I was like, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your face wow. is just like, what is what is Quidditch, right? So she <laughs> she played. She'd gone to Germany the year before and played for Australia in the World Cup Quidditch World Cup. Oh and she's God. fit. She never played football, but she you know she just seen this ad and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go do it. And anyway, I was like, you're really cool. And she's a musician, so like a couple of weeks later, I went to one of her gigs and I was like, you are a person I want to be friends with. Like she's the same as me, just like really inquisitive about life. So we just kind of lit each other's souls on fire. It was so cool. And the funny thing is, two months after meeting her, she had a Quidditch tournament in Canberra, which is the Australian National Championships, and she needed a lift there. Her team had a uh, an international player, a German player. His name was Mio, and he didn't know very many people. So he'd come over to specifically to play Quidditch because he played in Germany. That was his first like tournament. And so we got along really well because we didn't know anybody else. And uh, I had decided to live in the city for three months to see, you know, whether I like city life or not. And he needed a place to stay. So he ended up coming and crashing with me for a couple of months before he flew home back to Germany. And then that we sort of like left at the same point. So he flew home to Germany and I flew, I didn't fly, I I drove home to Tulangi, which is, you know, in the hills in the Yarra Valley. That's where I was living at the time, but we sort of had that experience together. And so from that, I was like, oh, I've got a reason to go over to Europe. Never been to Europe before. I've got a friend there that can give me some accommodation in Berlin. So I based my um, stay out in Berlin in Germany. And four months later, I flew over to go to go and visit him. And I had some other friends, you know, from my travels in my band previously that were international as well. So, you know, I got to fly, fly over to the UK and um, go visit them. And so I thought, oh, you know what? Like, I've always been interested in um, football in Europe so why not contact AFL Europe and see what's going on and so I'd organized that as part of my my month-long trip um, overseas and so I flew over to London for a couple of days did my Harry Potter tour you know because Quidditch (laughs) Harry Potter um, that was really cool and yeah had this meeting with Ryan Davey from from AFL Europe and I was just like you know when I emailed him I just said this is what I've done you know, this is, you know, I created this football league. I'm curious to see what's going on in, in Europe in terms of development. Because ideally I was thinking, well, if I'm going to, you know, I've always wanted to travel overseas, right, and live overseas. So if I'm going to do that, I need a reason to do it. I'm not going to do it mm. just for the sake of it. And so I thought, oh, maybe I can get a job with AFL Europe because that's just how my life works. You know, I can get jobs this way. Um, turns out they have no money and it just doesn't work like that. So... <laughs> so 
but it was really great to meet him and he got me connected on to Lisa Wilson who is a British woman but she uh, lives in Germany she was dating a, a German footballer a couple of years ago so she was based in Hamburg so I kind of I flew back from London to Berlin and then a couple of days later uh, took a bus up to Hamburg for a couple of days and like did a footy training session um, with a footy club and just you know just sort of got to see what it was like there and I tell you what I burnt out from football. I thought it was too much in Australia and I hadn't really touched the game since 2016. And we're talking, we're sort of talking about 2018. It's about two years that I haven't really been involved with football. And that just reignited my love for the game. It was raw community football. People wanted to train like they're German. They just, they trained properly and it was, it was good. There was, there was Aussie banter, like, and it was just, it's just yeah such an awesome experience and I and I was like I actually I would love to come back and you know do something in the in the football space like I was on this high of like this is this is the game that I love like this is this is what I enjoy and and I just hadn't experienced that I was so down for so long you know this game that I loved growing up just sort of like for 20 years 22 years of my life like that was the love of my life and then to not have that, you know, I was really lost. Yeah. Because that's formed a lot of my identity for quite a while. And, yeah, so we'd organised um, that I would come and coach the national women's team because um, they just got their first team up in 2018 and they uh, entered the European Cup, which is a nine-a-side competition. And they did quite well because they came fifth out of eight, eight wow. teams. Um, yeah. It's the first time they'd ever really played football before. And so the idea is that I'll come along and... Um, kick him into gear I suppose <laughs> <laughs> give him some Aussie spirit yeah for sure so so then I uh, came back home in July and so funny because I by the time I'd flown home the application deadline for exchange for for a university exchange had closed like a couple of days before I flew back oh. but then they opened it for an extra week so I had like three or four days to get an application in um, so that I could go on university exchange. And the reason why I, I was going on exchange was because God, I came from not, from not a lot of money, but you can get yeah. allowance to study. And living in Germany is, is quite cheap, well, compared to Australian standards. So I could, I still have my savings, but I can, you know, function and not worry about money so much. And so that was the idea was that I'll go, go on exchange. And I, and when I was over there in, in 2018 I sort of had a look at Hamburg and then I sort of did a quick scour of um like where I could go and stay and I went to a small town called Leipzig which is I'm a small town girl it's a small city it's got trees and I was like I remember walking out of the train station and just going man I could be here for you know eight months nine months and so yeah I put my application in for Leipzig and second and my second preference was Hamburg yeah and so that sort of started that whole process of well cool I'm going living overseas and I'm going to be on exchange and able to fund it somehow and then you know you can get a bit bit of extra like scholarship money as well so yeah that was kind of how I got over to to Germany to to coach the the national women's team (laughs) And the fact that it all came from your love of sport, like back when you were 16, yeah, you yeah. fell in love with sport and then you were like, I'm not, not doing school anymore. I'm going to do my sport development at Cedar. And then you've just grown and it's come around in a, a nice little messy circle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so crazy. And there's, just, and there's actually so many other things that are in that story as well. But I've just been so fortunate to... I, just literally just following my my instincts trusting my gut like and just knowing that if my heart wants this to happen it will happen like the power of manifestation like I've been able to manifest anything I've ever wanted whether it's come in the way that I wanted specifically like you know I've always wanted to be overseas live overseas found a reason to do it you know I've always wanted a van you know the van that I got I fell in love with the idea of a van when I was playing cricket when I was 16 and this mum was driving her kid in an 87 Volkswagen Transporter. And I was, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I want a van. And then two years later, I get that van, like that specific oh my van. Gosh. It's just crazy, but it's just worked out, you know, and it's, it's just been about like so much goal setting, so much values, like identification, prioritization. 
but again it's i think when people can see the passion and see what you care about people will help you out in some way shape or form and i think that's one of the most important things that you can acknowledge in your life you know oh here we are going all philosophical on life let's jump back in <laughs> i i really love that you've just mentioned a few but what benefits do you think sport has provided you as an individual like you can take it philosophical if you if you want or it can be more literal but take it wherever you want yeah so for me sport has given me when i was 16 and i played football for the first time and i walked down to the cricket club for the first time as you know a girl that never played cricket before but liked watching cricket and understood the game a bit mm-hmm. probably i thought i knew more than what i did but what that what that did it gave me a sense of belonging and having moved around so much i don't think i really had that and so that was really really integral and having that space held for me that for me because I received that, I want to give that to people as well. So then that ties into the next bit is sport gives me purpose. I love motivating people. I love connecting. I love, you know, with the guys at Career Club, it's a classy country cricket club, uh, Bush League kind of thing. And I'm the weirdo that will be like, what do you actually mean when you say that? You know, <laughs> you'll say all of these like funny jokes that I don't find funny. So like, just tell me like, what's going on in your mind, you know? Like, and so I'm the person that, they just tell me all of their secrets. Like, you know, they've got girl problems and all this stuff. And I'm like, so what about like, from the girl's perspective? Like, what do you think is going on in her mind? It's like, we're not all super crazy, you know? And then just kind of like reshifting the, the way that they see things or perceive things and being that person, like, that, and that's what's led me to, you know, doing what I do now, which is teaching and I, I mentor people and I coach people, you know, not just in sport stuff, but like in life context. Like, and I just love that shit. So like sports developed this like curiosity of life and it's been like this vessel that's kind of given me room to explore everything that I think is like important and, you know, getting people to question and move out of the side of their comfort zones and, you know, shift their version of normal, like, for me, I, oh, I just love that. So, yeah, belonging and, and purpose is, is sort of what it's given me. Man, that was so much quicker than the first question. Oh, I, <laughs> I love that so much, Em. I think that's why we probably bonded at uni because it was the exact same thing for me. By no means did I have a hard childhood, but I felt that belonging and the purpose through swimming and it's just made me want to give back and... I think it just makes you glow when you're like, oh, I've actually made a difference in someone's life. Even if it's one kid or one person, you're like, I did that. And it's, yeah, it's pretty special. <laughs> oh, 100%. You know, and I have this, this saying, which is like, once you become a player of mine or, you know, now that I'm a teacher, once you're a student of mine, you're a player or you're a student for life. Like I see kids, you know, that I coached eight, 10 years ago, 10 years because that's how long I've been coaching for. And they come up to me and they tell me what they're doing. You know, I get messages from kids that I've coached that are excited to tell me something. When I'm teaching, like, we had, you know, COVID's hit and um, I've had to move a practical sport and rec course online. We ran these online events and um, they were in groups. And one of the events was this week-long, like, Active Eye. So they, they release challenges every day on Facebook. And the, all the classmates would then have to, they were in teams and they had to do the challenges. And then they had this total at the end of the, um, the, the, the week and then, you know, there was a winner. And then I come back, you know, on campus five, six weeks later and they're like, yeah, we're, up, we're doing our third active ISO week and all of our friends have joined in. And um, they're telling me all about like how they've sustained this online program that they've created in class. And I'm like, gee, that's so cool. And they were so excited to tell me. And I was like, that's awesome. And, you know, that enthusiasm that people have, because not everybody has people in their lives that will actually celebrate, you know, those successes. Or if they celebrate the successes, there's still an agenda, a personal agenda from the person that's celebrating the success. Hmm. And um, just to be like, no, I'm here for you. I genuinely want to know because what you do makes me so happy. Yeah, there's just no greater joy. You can have all the money in the world. You don't have connection or friendships, anything like that. You're not going to be happy. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy how, like, <laughs> how much it works, like, how, how, how much of an impact it makes on your life and their lives. 
Yeah, like coaches especially. You've been one, I've been one. We've both had coaches. Like it's such a special place in your heart. They're almost like that. They don't even have to be like a parent. They can be like a, a friend, a family member. Yeah, that's no, very special. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You've gone through a lot of different pathways, I guess, <laughs> and you've ended up back kind of around to the love of football. Is there a lesson you've learnt that stands out that you want to share? Yeah, so I, I have touched on it before. Just to stick to your guns and be true to yourself and prioritise or find out what are your values and your goals and just aim high and enjoy where you're at. Be present with everything. Sometimes I think as, even as coaches, as athletes, we can get so strung up in the end result and mm-hmm. like, I've made my mistakes as a coach doing that, you know, being like, I just want to win. We just want to, you know, we want to play in the grand final. We want to do this. But the players don't want to know that they need to win. They want to know how they've got to get there and mm-hmm. you need to be able to enjoy that in that journey, in that process. And if you align it with your values and if you align it with your goals and you figure out what those are, you will be happy and you will get to where you want to be. Any, If you just have goals and you don't know why you're doing them, you won't have the motivation to go and do it. In sport as a player, in sport as a coach, in sport as an administrator, when I was running the girls league, if I didn't say to people, I'm doing this because I never got the opportunity to play junior sport, would people buy into that? If I just said, oh, yeah, we're just we're going to run a girls' team, uh, run a girls' league, and I want to get as many teams as possible. Eastern Football League tried that for four years. You have someone that's passionate about it, and literally, like I said, just going, I never got the opportunity to play. I don't want everyone else to miss out on that opportunity. If they want to play, they should be able to play. Yeah. And you get that emotional connection and that attachment to it. People see your values, your purpose, your goals, and they'll align to that, and then they'll help you and support you. That was probably the biggest lesson for me was that people will buy in when you when you know why you're doing things. And so for any anything, it's like why go to why are you going to Germany? Why are you going to live on the other side of the world? Well, I wanted to get back into coaching. For me, it was like I could be another female coach and I could go through the pathway system. Or I could go coach a national team, hope I do quite well, and you know, came third in the Euro Cup, which you know they'd come fifth the year before and second in the European Championship you know, to the Irish who were really good. You know, we, we had a really good time um, and they played really well. And for me, that was success, you know. Yeah. So I was successful as a coach. And then I ended up getting an opportunity to be involved with Danny Nong Stingrays, which is the under-18 talent pathway, well, NAB League. It's one of the sides in that competition. Because of my coaching Germany, I was then exposed to, like, high-level coaching stuff. And, and so I went from, you know, I could have just been this female coach you know, just like every other female, to then just being able to jump straight into semi-elite level stuff. And gee, it's bloody hard. And I you know, probably wasn't even up for it, but I learned so much in that. And that is all worth it for me, you know, to be exposed to that and to know well, what's the next level. How do, I, how do I get to where I want to be? Always know or always try to figure out, well, why? Why are you doing stuff? And that doesn't come from your head. That comes from your heart. Yeah. And I think that passion, you just mentioned that you probably weren't ready for that. And it was a bit of a jump or a bit of a step, but that passion probably allowed you to jump a little bit further to get up to where you needed to be. It gave you that motivation to lift. And I think, yeah, yeah, that's really special. I love when you challenge yourself and you're like, oh, even with this podcast, like no way am I technically savvy enough to work out how to do it, but I have done it because I'm passionate about it. Oh, for sure. And that's why, why you always go back to your why. Mm. It, I think people talk about passion. I think that passion as a word is overrated. I think that because you can get hung, like, so strung up on your passion, right? Like, my passion was football for so long. Well, what happens when football, you lose football as your passion, which is what happened to me. So all of a sudden it went from passion to, well, why? Why am I yeah. doing this? So instead of loving the game... Like, I don't even watch the AFL, like the men's competition anymore. I watch the female football and I'll watch, you know, underrating games for sure. The reason why I do that is because I want to see girls that are coming through. I want to see the girls that I have coached play the game. When I'm getting involved in the game now, it's literally I want to provide that space for athletes because I don't, like we spoke about this statistic, which is 70% of kids drop out of sport by the age of 13 and most of that's due to the coaching. Mm-hmm. So while I might not 
have as much of a footy IQ as the other coaches, which is totally fine. What I do provide is that safe space. You know, I've got a background in social work and youth work, and that is so important to be able to understand your players and where they're at, because if they're not comfortable, even if they're elite or they're trying to be elite players, they're not comfortable. They just won't be able to perform the way that they should be able to perform. You know, they still need people to believe in them and not just the great players, you know, the really good ones that you know are going to get drafted. It's not about them, you know. You're probably going to have two, three, four players if you're lucky to get drafted every single year from your squad. You've still got another 30, 40 on the list. So, you know, how do you work with them? Because they might come through, they'll either drop out Mm -hmm. of, of sport and they might not want to play footy anymore or they'll go through a different pathway. You know, it might be able to play football for another three or four years and then get into the AFLW through a different system, through BFL or something like that. So you've got to make them love the game, you know, love themselves. And then when they do that and they know why they're doing it, then they'll, you know, they'll go far. So, oh, it's just like so important. 100% agree. And I see it probably through the lens of swimming is at the very minimum you could, I think I'm probably quoting Julia Walsh. She taught us at Deacon. She said she's, hers in a basketball context but you've got to look down your bench and see you know do you have the next lot of administrators do you have the next lot of coaches at the very minimum you want them to leave happy and potentially be the next lot of parents that put their kid into that sport and that's how you keep it going throughout the generation so I I love that I'm so happy maybe we learnt that off her (laughs) (laughs) I saw man I have fond memories of, of class with her I remember there was one subject that I looked at, I can't remember what it was called, and I was like, I want to do this subject. It was literally like sociology of sport coaching. Uh, You know, it was centred around that. I was like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I need to do. You know, going back to me being a cult supporter, we had these um, guest lecturers come in, which, funny enough, the first one that came in was an old teacher of mine, Sean Kavanagh, who's now coaching um, the Western Bulldogs VFLW. He was in class. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So we had like a nice little catch up. And then I was late to another class and I walk in and, um, man, David Parkin, who's Carlton's 1995 premiership coach. Remember, I've watched this video so many times. I'd walked up late and I walked in and I, walked, and I had my mouth open going, oh, my God, David Parkin's here. And it was so funny because it is... Because we talk about why, right? Like, why we do things. And at the start of the session, well, like, literally just as I walked in, he's like, okay, now before I speak about anything, I want you to write down why you're in this class. And I was like, boom, I know exactly why I'm in this class. I wrote wrote it down in literally 30 seconds. I had this smug, smart-ass, like, look on my face, like, being like, yeah, go on, can you ask me? Like, because I just wanted to chat to him. And so we went around the room and, you know, know, people were like, oh, it's just part of my, like, sport degree or, you know, I'm – you know, it just, it would seem like a really interesting elective. And then it comes down to me and I'm like, yeah, I really wanted to understand why, you know, how much of an impact coaches have on their athletes, you know, and how, how do we change that? And, I, you know, and it was definitely my answer was more detailed than that, but he was like taken aback by like the thoroughness. And it's because I knew why, like why I was doing things. And it's so funny because like at the end of class, we, we sat and had a chat for five minutes, not at the end, sorry, like this is after I said why, like why I was there. And he was like, is everybody listening to this? <laughs> and he's like, because you can learn something from this conversation. And anyway, so at the end, he like, people came up to him and, you know, had a chat. And then I just sort of like hung back and I was going to be real ballsy and be, be like, oh, can we go out for a coffee or something? And anyway, so he comes up to me and he's like, literally just looks at me and he kind of like points and he's like, you're really interesting. I'd like to take you out to lunch. And here I am just going, oh, my God, David Parkin, Carlton's 1995 Premiership coach wants to take me out to lunch. What? (laughs) And so he takes me out to lunch like two or three weeks later and he's just like, you know, shocked by the way that I view the world and like literally going on about when I'm talking about purpose and why I do things and my background or working background with the Eastern Region girls and, you know, what I was passionate about. So he's like, all right, you know, like we organised another time to meet each other. And, you know, we, we are now like really good friends. Like I could call Park Pro up and just be like, hey, what's going on? You know, and I have done like during COVID, you know, just checked in with him to see where he's at. And that's been so cool. You know, this, this man that I've idolised is now my, mm. my, my mentor. And I told him about Germany, actually. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm considering um, going overseas to coach the national team. He goes, you never complete anything. 
don't go to Germany. And then I was, I was like, I was so annoyed. And so I sent him this 2000 word email being like, I'm going to Germany to coach national team and I'm going to complete my degree at the same time. And I want to do this because I could either do that or I could stay in Australia and like have a shitty job. So why not go live overseas? And like, I explained why I want to do things. And like, I was like, and I want to be a teacher and I want to teach sport and rec. Like, I don't want to be a school teacher. I want to be a TAFE teacher. And this is like three years ago, two years ago. I don't know. I'm lost in times. <laughs> anyway, so I told him that and I'm like, but in order to do that, I want to do stuff that I'm actually really passionate about. And so I'm going to go over and like I said, live overseas. And then he didn't reply. And I was really annoyed. There was like this, this AFL Victoria awards night for coaches. And I got this invite because I did some stuff for AFL Southeast, you know, like real offhandedly. And I, but I hadn't really coached all year, but I, there's an award named after him and I knew he'd be there. And so I went, I went and rocked up in all my nice clothes in, in the city and I just like sat with these people that I didn't know and just so I could try and catch him. And, um, and I did, I just as he was about to leave and I'm like, Oh, Paco. He's like, Em, how are you? I've been trying to, I've been thinking about replying to your email. He's like, I'd really like to introduce you to my, um, to my wife, Gail. And she's like, and he's oh, you can go. So this is Emily, and she's like, oh, is it? Are you the one that wrote that two thousand word email? And I was like, that's me. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then he replied back, and yeah, I was just impressed with the the why, the why, and the purpose. Um, yeah, so that that's what sort of made him, you know, want to connect with me and a lot of other people that are higher up in business or in sport have connected with me because of that passion that I have, you know, the excitedness that I feel um, about stuff. So that's really cool. So always figure out your why, figure out your purpose. Um, yeah. And like, it doesn't always happen overnight. I think I kind of had it in the back of my head, my why as to how I wanted sport or my journey through sport to be. And I just never knew how to implement it. And I still don't know. <laughs> and I guess this podcast is, I guess, the first step. But now that I have in my head a first step towards my why, everything seems a lot more clear. And it's not hard work and it's not the grind. It's hustling for something that I love. And I don't care if I'm editing for six hours on a Sunday because I love it. For sure. It's just about taking those steps too. Just every everything is just a little step. There's no way that when I, when I was 16 years old, going, oh yeah, I want to go and do this like football tape course just to like shove it up to my mum a bit. <laughs> you know, there's no way I I thought I'd create a football league that people would know who I am, that I'd be coaching, teaching, that I'd fly to Germany and live in Germany for a year. Like you just go with it. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. And the money comes, like, Mm. you'll find a way. It's absolutely incredible. But you have to be open to absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. So you've been involved in a lot of things and you obviously have developed a lot of people and football leagues and, you know, everything in the space of AFL and AFL women's. Is there a specific project that you've used sport as a tool to develop the community that stands out? You've done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, the Eastern Region Girls, for me, was was the biggest thing. Like, I just think back to that time where we had no idea what we were doing. I had no idea what I was doing at all. And to see if where it's gone, like where, where it came from, which was 80 girls in Hillsville, coming and playing and having a kick of the footy to 150 teams. You know, the AFL Yarra Rangers, or it's AFL Aries now, and the AFL, they can have their own sustainable competitions. Like, I was going to play local footy for Hillsville this year in senior women's, and they won the flag the year before when I was in Germany. And just the fact that I can come back home to my hometown and play senior football, like, yeah. that's incredible. So that for me is the biggest project that, not that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm proud, like, it's not the fact that I'm proud of it, which, you know, my God, I am, but the literally the lives it's impacted and people, not everyone knows who I am now, you know, they don't know what I've done or what I've created, but the joy that I see from seeing people play and like, I was looking at all the, all the women on my team going, you guys have no idea how much work went into this to get this up and running. Obviously there's like individual teams 
you know, even individual clubs getting their own teams up for sure. There's yeah. a lot of work in that space. But to get it to this sustainable place where it is now, my God, there was just so much work. And it wasn't me. It was everybody else, you know, from all the clubs at that point. Ferntree Gully, Bayswater, they're the biggest clubs. Hillsville were first with the juniors as well. Man Evelyn literally coming together for the sake of getting females to play sport. It wasn't just a dictator, you know, like we're doing it this way or that way. It was consultations. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, AFL Yarra Rangers try merging a country-based football league with a business-based metropolitan football league, which is the EFL. You know, different values, different ways that things are done. Trying to find a happy medium. It, yeah, crazy, crazy amount of work. So that's probably my, my biggest one, yeah. I love that so much. And you really have not only developed the community in the space that you were, or in the time that you were participating and running it and getting it up and running, like it's still sustainable now and it's going to hopefully be sustainable in 10, 15, 20 years time. And to look at when we grew up and we were, you know, 9, 10, 11, there wasn't really women's teams in the space of football. And now these 10 and 11 year olds have that place to go. It's amazing and it's incredible that you've created that yeah like I said it wasn't me it wasn't just me like I was the face of it but it there was there was a lot of work involved so I I just don't want to take the kudos for that (laughs) at the same time you know the passion drove it but the community did it yeah that's that's the best bit about it that's that's how you manage get people to buy in and they did and it just worked and it was and the people that didn't, there were clubs that didn't want to get behind it. Like I remember one club in particular had two females, two two really good females playing in their um, boys' teams. And the president was like, nah, female football's never going to be a thing. Like it's absolute rubbish. And then the girls ended up playing in Fertry Gully. And then one of them's just been drafted to Richmond, played for Richmond last year. Wow. You know, as in this club, like missed out on the opportunity. I assume the president's not there anymore. They've got girls' teams now. But, um, yeah, don't worry about the people that, that don't believe in it. Just get the ones that do and um, just change it from the inside, change the culture. That, that's my sort of way of doing things, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So you mentioned a lot of things. Where do you see the future of sport? You've been part of creating that future. Where is it going? That's, a, that's for me, is a really tough question to answer, I suppose, because it's like I... I see it, I see what I want already, but I think that there's more of it. So, like, female sport in the media only gets, you know, like 10% of representation as opposed to men. So I think that sport has a really great opportunity to really drive that culture change and not just in female sport, but talking LGBTI community, multiculturalism, you know, disability in sport, giving people that voice. Like, there is, like I said, there there are people in that space you know especially in AFL we've got all the things in place however there's just so much more work that needs to be done and that's what I teach my students so we've just done this massive project um, where they had oral presentations they had to present to their local clubs about why their club had to be more inclusive on a particular topic so explaining why their clubs you know needed to have female change rooms why their clubs need to have multicultural policies. You know, they can get disability ramps in, you know, disability toilets to make it more inclusive. So I'm trying to educate those students to start thinking about that stuff, that there's more to the, you know, the world of football because a lot of them are footy heads and obviously my background's in football. So there's more to football than just working for an AFL club that if you bring it back to community and especially with covid happening you know there's going to be a massive emphasis on community that's what I hope anyway you know getting people together and there'll be money and funding in that and there's money and funding in disability in sport and in females in sport and in multiculturalism and all of those things right so it's just about shifting that mindset and making people aware of that from the get-go from the start so that they will then create the impact later on that that'll be the ripple effect so I'm going culture change is like what I want to see in the future of sport as a tool, like, well, using sport as a tool for that change because I think it's a really great way to do it. One of my favourite quotes, well, it's not really a quote, it's like the one of those sayings like sport builds character, mm-hmm. you know, and sport does build character, but whether or not it's good or bad character is up to the individuals or up to the clubs. And by educating those people 
from the age of 16, 17, 18 to make them aware of what's going on in the environment around them. Like I said, ripple effect that will create those changes. Yeah, it makes me really excited to see sport so wholesome again. Like I think maybe when our parents were growing up, it was probably a bit more wholesome than it was when we were in our early teens. But I'm seeing that shift in the last five, 10 years. And it's really exciting to see potentially where our kids' generations will grow up seeing sport. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's been so many insights today, Em. I just really love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, it's been fantastic to have a chat. I love this stuff, as you know. Um, I'm really, <laughs> really passionate about sport. And the, it's, I don't know whether it's sport psychology or like it's a sociology of sport. I think that it's just so important. And yeah, how much community makes a, a difference and who you're around and, you know, understanding values, purpose, all of those things. Like, it makes sense when you hear it, you know, yeah. it makes sense. I just don't know, like, who has a skill set to make sure that all of that is applied to all of these athletes or people in general. It's tough, but it's so, it's awesome. Yeah, like, and I feel very grateful well, that we did know each other and we started yeah. the same degree. And even though you moved your way to, you know, a different path, like, I'm really glad we did cross paths and, I've got that motivation in the back of my mind. <laughs> no, it's, no it's, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.